You are listening to episode 129 of the Remind Yourself podcast. Welcome to the Remind Yourself podcast, the podcast for physician moms just like you who want to ditch mom guilt, stop yelling, and start enjoying their lives today. I'm your host, Michelle Chestovich, certified life coach, family physician, and mom of four. If you want to overcome overwhelm for once and for all, this is the place for you. Hello, Mama Docs, and welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. So as you know, we deal with a fair amount of stress in our profession, and a lot of us turn to things to feel better. Today, I have an amazing guest who is going to talk to us about how we often use alcohol to feel better and how we can learn to allow emotions and drink less. So without further ado, I want to say welcome to a fellow coach who is amazing and is an inspiration to me. Welcome, Angela Masenik. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's an honor to be here and to be here with your audience and to try to help them, you know, not be scared to look at their relationship with alcohol. I think it's something that we don't often talk about. And while I've been very big about raising the awareness about mental health, I mean, to me, this goes right alongside it. And so I'm ready to just like rip off the bandit and say, hey, this is something we need to talk about because so many of my colleagues and friends and clients mention that when they're feeling stressed, they really look forward to having a glass of wine at the end of the day, which in and of itself isn't a problem. It's when it starts to become habitual and they start drinking more and more. And then there's just a lot that gets wrapped up into it. So before we even just like dig into all of that, talk to us about the work you do and why it's so important to have these conversations. Yeah. So mostly I coach women to help them stop over drinking. And what that means is individual to everybody. So if they're not happy with their relationship with alcohol, if they feel like they're drinking too much, then I can help them learn how to cut back and figure out what's the right relationship with alcohol for them. So it's not like a one type all approach to everybody. It's very individualized and I help them figure out their specific goals around alcohol. I think there's a lot of labels and a lot of shame around drinking and it can go on the spectrum of like, you know, very judgmental from like the sober, you know, spokespeople and like you have to quit and you once you, you know, quit drinking, you can never drink again. And then there's a whole other end of it is like, you know, you should be able to drink as much as you want whenever you want. Right. So I like to kind of like just notice that and help you decide, you know, what is best for you without the labels and the judgments. And it's important because when you overdrink in any capacity, if you know that that's not okay for you, it holds you back in other areas of your life. It amplifies anxiety and overwhelm. I know that's probably a very common issue for your audience. It actually doesn't help you feel better. You know, it's a it's a pretend band-aid that we think in the moment, yeah, it kind of blankets over that kind of softens the edge of our overwhelm or our anxiety or whatever sort of mind chatter we might be having in that moment, but that comes at a cost, right? Like it helps, it doesn't help us sleep very well. We don't feel great in the morning. It It's like throwing gasoline on the fire of your anxiety. It makes you have a lot of negative thoughts and, and even can lower your self-esteem and your self-confidence and, you know, your abilities to get the work done that you want to do. It can impede relationships. I mean, there's so many things that it can do if you let it go on too long. And I think that, you know, we talked about this earlier, 
for, you know, the physicians and for patients, it can be very shaming, right? To like admit that you might be drinking too much and you don't want to have that label put on yourself and you definitely don't want it to be in your medical chart sometimes. So that dichotomy can be complicated, but I want people to know that there are solutions out there for people to get the help that they want that's right for them. I love what you touched on about how it's just a Band-Aid, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there are times where people feel really stressed. I know I've been, I'll just speak to myself, right? There have been times I'm really stressed, right? You have a glass of wine and it just, like you said, softens things a little bit. It just sort of like reduces the chatter. And yet it's not a solution for the problem. Mm -hmm. I talk in my program about how do we complete the stress cycle? How do we learn ways to feel better just naturally, right? right? And yet alcohol is in our society and it's touted as this wonderful thing to like have fun, amplify the fun and feel better. And it's like totally okay. It's so normalized. That's the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. And yet it can become a big problem. And when you use alcohol to quote unquote, feel better, you mm -hmm. don't solve for the underlying problem. Why are you feeling so bad in the first place? Right. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a temporary fix for that in the moment need that you have to feel better. Right. But it doesn't solve any of that. It doesn't right. take away your stress from your job. It doesn't take away from the stress from managing all the things. Right. It just sometimes makes it even worse. Did you hear that, ladies? Sometimes it makes it even worse. Yeah. I've seen evidence of that in folks that I've worked with, right? You work in this very, maybe it's even a toxic environment, or maybe it's just you haven't learned to set boundaries yet, mm -hmm. and you're just overwhelmed and stressed out, and then you come home and relieve that stress with alcohol, you get a poor night's sleep, and you start the next day. It doesn't allow you that time and space to like figure out what is it that I want to do with my life, mm -hmm. which is, again, why I think it's so important to have these conversations. So- particularly the last few years with the pandemic. Mm. I mean, thankfully, we've kind of come to the other side of that. Mm -hmm. But I think that alcohol use increased tremendously during the COVID pandemic. Certainly, I was hearing more chatter about it amongst my physician peers. What yeah. are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, um, I think the pandemic highlighted a lot of issues for a lot of different people, right? And alcohol use was definitely one of them. So if you had any previous patterns of you know, using alcohol to kind of relieve stress or, you know, manage difficult things, then it was like throwing gasoline on the fire. It's like, here we are, we're stuck at home, everything's changed, it's super stressful, for, especially for your audience, right? If they're in the clinics working or in the hospital and things like that's extra for them. And it's a quick fix. You know, it's like you've trained your brain previously to handle the stress. So like now we're really stressed out. So it's like, oh, yeah, let's Let's just have wine. You know, for some people, maybe they weren't going anywhere and they didn't have to worry about driving every day. And so they're just like, oh, I'm not going anywhere. I don't need to worry about that. And so they just start kind of like drinking a little bit more at home. And it can, it turned into a bigger problem very quickly because of all of those feelings that we had around that situation. And yeah, I mean, I, a lot of my clients really amplified their drinking during that time. So it's, and it's not just COVID, it's any kind of stressful event like that. If there's a death or there's um, a job loss or a divorce or kids going to college, like any kind of big event like that, when people start drinking in response to those kind of events, it trains their brain that that's a solution, right? And so that's where the habit starts to come. It did, the habits just didn't happen, right? It usually happens because we're using alcohol as a way to feel better or to amplify the fun, like you said earlier. And once we introduce it to those difficult situations, even when that difficult situation might be over now, now we have this habit 
And we've trained our brain to use alcohol whenever we feel something that feels similar to what we used it at that in the past, right? So if it was worry and panic around the pandemic, if you feel worry and panic about something now, when we're not really in the pandemic, right? That triggers your brain to be like, oh, go do, go get a glass of wine. That helped you before when you had this similar feeling. And it's not like you're conscious of these thoughts. It's just your patterns that have developed over time. Right. And so sometimes it's confusing for people or like, there's nothing going on that's bad right now, but you've already introduced it when something was maybe a little tumultuous or something in the past. So it's just important to recognize, you know, if you say, oh yeah, like if you can recognize when you started drinking a little bit more, that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Like those are the feelings that I were trying to overcome at that time. So interesting because I've noticed like a few years ago, Again, I don't feel like I've ever like drank a ton. I mean, I've, certainly there have been times where I've drank more, but they, I just got into these habits of being at work, feeling stressed, coming home and having a glass of wine as I'm making dinner and like a glass of wine like after. And there were times where, so again, I guess I created this habit, right? I was feeling stressed and this was my, mm-hmm. you know, Reward. quick fix, not yeah, a yeah. total solution, but yep. and my brain became habituated to that. And there was a time a few years ago when I was driving home from work, I was a couple of blocks away and I started thinking about a glass of wine. And I swear to God, I like my mouth started watering. I'm like, oh my yeah. gosh, this is like Pavlov's dog. And yeah. that was an interesting aha because okay, I didn't have a stressful day. I wasn't thinking about it like when I got into my car, but two mm-hmm. blocks from home, I started thinking about it, which I just thought was fascinating. And I also thought it was fascinating that sometimes even when I just get out the skillet and start chopping onions to start sauteing them to get ready for dinner. There have also been times where I just get this instantaneous like urge to have mm-hmm. a glass of wine, which I just think is fascinating because I'm not drinking regularly, like every day, all the time. I'm not like chemically dependent on it. And yet mm-hmm. I've created this habit. And it was just such an interesting aha to me, like, oh, I've trained my brain like Pavlov. Yeah. Train the dog. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, is that true? Absolutely. It's absolutely true. So there's a reward there, right? So like the way, and you know this, and I'm sure you've talked about this before, but we're motivated to seek pleasure and avoid pain and save energy. So in that moment, your that urge, that desire, that mouthwatering is like, that's the motivation to go get the pleasure. You're not experiencing a high level of pleasure at that moment. And so your brain's like, oh, this will help, right? And you've done it before. And there's been a reward. The reward is the glass of wine. So you get a dopamine hit right? And you've get a drug on your brain. So it's like a double punch, right? It's like a double whammy worth of like high. And then you're like, Ooh, right. Then you get the, then you get the reward, right? The the after effect of what that feels like the warm, fuzzy feeling, the softening around the edges, right? Like things don't seem so crazy or stressful. And so the next time you're in that situation, your brain's like, Ooh, right. This desire, this mouthwatery, like pull forward type feeling that we get Let's do that again, right? And if you're not conscious of that, it just, that's where we're like, it's just a habit, right? And it feels hard to unwind that. It's interesting. And again, of course, I get all up in my head because in medicine, I talk to my patients about drinking and I certainly see people on the very far end of the spectrum, right? Who are very much dependent on alcohol and have severe Mm -hmm. problems. But I think there's this whole area in the middle. And I just started to think like, oh, do I have a problem? But I'm like, wait a minute. No, I don't because I only am drinking, you know, Mm -hmm. a few times a week. But it's just Mm -hmm. so interesting. And again, I hear this chatter among friends and colleagues. Mm -hmm. And I just think like, we don't necessarily need to label it. Or you tell me if you think we do. I just think like, is it working for you? 
And yeah. it's not like, it's not a problem that you've created this habit in your brain because you yeah. can retrain your brain in another way. Could you speak Absolutely. to that a little bit? Cause I think yeah. a lot of people worry. Right. Well, I think or, that thought actually, is this a problem? I think when people think that they picture this alcoholic that's in the gutter or needs alcohol all day to function and they can't do anything and their whole life is in shambles. That's what I yeah. think when we ask ourselves that question is like, well, I'm not that, so it must not be a problem, right? And so then we kind of like, oh, this isn't a big deal. We we can be dismissive of ourselves, right? Because we're not right. that. But so I just want to challenge everybody listening to that. You don't have to be like that to have a problem. If it feels hard for you not to drink at any time, I would get curious about that. That's sort of like my blanket statement because- how I like to live my life is like, I don't want to feel attached to things like that. Right. I don't want to have to need alcohol to go to a social situation. I don't want to have to need alcohol to make dinner at night. Right. So if that is you and that feels really hard to not do it, then I just invite everybody to get curious about that. What is, what is there that you could explore and look into a little bit further? Absolutely. What was your other question? I'm sorry. I forgot. No, I don't remember. I don't remember what my other question was, but I think um, it's just sort of like, we don't need to label it, but to just right. get curious, like yes. for you, does this feel like more than I want? And I guess yes. there have been times in my life where I'm like, I am drinking more than I want. Like, I don't want to be drinking, you know, a glass of yeah. wine every night during the week. Yeah. Sure. It's just a glass. And yet I don't want to be doing that. Right. Right. Especially right. over this last year, some new recommendations came out about like, healthy drinking. Well, whatever, quote unquote, healthy drinking right. a glass of wine per day, or excuse me, one alcoholic beverage per day for women is considered high risk drinking. Yes. That was really like open my eyes because yeah. again, I consider myself a very healthy person. I love to yeah. exercise. I take care of my body. Mm-hmm. I sleep well. I eat nourishing food, all the things. So do a lot of my listeners. Mm-hmm. And yet a lot of us, I think have been dismissive in the past. Like, well, you know, or we even say, crazy things like, well, red wine is good for your heart. I just don't think that sort of thing is helpful. And again, I've made the decision for myself, like, no, that's not what I want. And if Mm -hmm. I want to have a glass of wine or two here and there, great. And yet I don't want it to be a habit. Mm -hmm. So doing my own self-coaching and listening to the things that you've been saying have just been so helpful for me. So there is a way that we can retrain our brain or how do you say it? How you can Say I yes to drinking like less. Like, it's like, say yes to drinking less. You can reprogram yourself so that it's not a big deal. Like a lot of people are scared that they'd be missing out or their life wouldn't be fun. Like there's all these fears associated with what changing your relationship with alcohol looks like, right? And that's, again, you mentioned this earlier. It's like our, our culture, our society, our conditioning around alcohol, right, is is very prevalent. So just know that that's there, right? But you still get to be in charge of your own self and have agency of yourself and decide what that looks like. But yeah, it doesn't have to be hard, you know? And I think too, what, what you were kind of getting at, or we're maybe digging into in the beginning is like, if that's your only reward at the end of the day, right? If that's the only treat you're giving yourself in your life, that's a problem. (laughs) So we need to learn how to start taking better care of ourselves. We need to start adding more joy and pleasure into our lives so that we're not seeking that artificial joy and pleasure from a glass of wine at the end of the day, you know, taking, I know this is hard for people who are working. Like if you're, if your clients are mostly physicians who also have little kids, like it's complicated. So I don't want to be like, Oh, you just need to take time for yourself. Like, you know, I know it is absolutely imperative for you to find a way, even if it's just five minute chunks here and there 
center yourself, do some deep breathing, process your feelings, get outside, get some fresh air, listen to some birds, smell some flowers, like little things like that, slowing down when you're cooking your meal, slowing down as you're going from thing to thing, paying attention, all that stuff will be very helpful for you so that you don't have to like hold it all in all day, rush, rush, rush through all the things, panic, 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 overwhelm, overwhelm, overwhelm. And the day, I just need to shut it off. Giving to yourself a little bit throughout the day so that you stay a little bit more even and you're not seeking that, you know, like that escape or that release or that pleasure and a quick hit at the end of the day when you're exhausted and overwhelmed. I think you just nailed it exactly right there. That's exactly what goes on. And again, I've been talking about how, you know, I talk about a lot of mindset stuff. Of course, you do as well. And yet, like, that's not just it. Because when you're feeling really stressed and adrenalized because you've been running all day, we have to figure out ways to like lower the stress. So I talk a lot about breathing, a lot about completing the stress. De-escalation. Yeah. De-escalation, whether it's grounding techniques or going for a walk or even like a two minute meditation, a transition from work to home, like three rounds of four, seven, eight breathing is going to do a hell of a lot for you Mm -hmm. to bring you from stress level Mm-hmm. that's high to low to like, oh, but then I, I laugh because then like, then you enter the fray of the household, but that's okay. Like yeah. we have to learn to incorporate these things. And I just feel like I'm always screaming, not screaming. <laughs> I'm like yelling from a rooftop. Ladies, we have to learn to start taking care of ourselves. Yes. Because yes. I'm sure you find this as well, is that we're so conditioned as women and socialized women to do for everybody else. Mm-hmm. That so many people feel guilty taking time for themselves. And again, I just want to say, ladies, this is your life. Mm-hmm. It is vital that you take care of yourself and learn to have these little snippets of calming yourself down and seeking joy. I mean, the way you describe yeah. that is so beautiful. Have you yeah. heard this new term, like the glimmers? Yes, I have. Yeah. I just think it's so beautiful. It and, is, and it's exactly what it is. So like, I'm a big proponent of nature. I'm actually a certified um, forest therapy guide. Oh so my gosh, is, that's yeah, awesome. Like during the pandemic, I spent, I realized, I'm like, how, like, I have, I actually have never gotten COVID. I'm like, how is this? And so I like started reviewing all of these things, but I'm not saying that the woods. Well, if you just live in the woods by yourself, that would save you. (laughs) Right. But like, I'm not saying the woods is like the reason why I didn't get COVID, but I was outside every single day, rain, sleet, sunshine, any kind of weather I like geared up for it. Just, I was outside of nature for daily, you know, during the pandemic. And it helped me so much because I established this relationship with nature. And it was just like so, it brings your, it, there's tons of studies done about immersing yourself in nature and being outside with trees and plants and birds and things that reduces your blood pressure, your heart rate. There's like chemical compounds to trees and plants that you breathe in that helps reduce your stress and everything like that. So, Watching the sun flicker in through the trees in the morning and hearing the birds talk to each other and just noticing life, right? It's almost like a meditation to get out of your own mind and to notice what this kind of environment that's going around around you and like you don't get occupied with with all the drama in your own mind. It's very meditative. It brings it all down. It's comforting. And so that's a tip that I'm like, get outside. Even if it's for five minutes, go sit under a tree, put your feet in the grass. Like, and that's all so free. Like, you know, it's available to pretty much everybody, even if you live in a big city, is to like go be around nature, get outside, get some fresh air. Cause we are animals. I know. And I supposed to be in this building connected to technology, running from thing to thing to thing all the time. That's just not how our how we're meant to be. So that's really important to start doing too. I love that. And I challenge all my listeners 
whether you're working in the clinic or the hospital, when you have a moment to get outside for just a few minutes, it makes such a difference. The days that I would leave my office during lunch, because again, of course, I'm like, I've got all these tasks to do. Mm-hmm. Go outside for five minutes. If you can walk around a little bit, great. If not, just sit there and admire all of the beauty. I also mm-hmm. have found nature to be very, very healing and just wonderful. But again, we do lose sight of it sometimes in our busy yeah. world. But again, I think Angela and I are saying this very similarly, like, hey, this is your life. Take time for you so you can feel better. So you don't need to turn to this not great solution to feeling better. So if one of my listeners is hearing this and thinking, huh, I think I'm curious. Like, I think I would like to drink less. What would be like maybe step number one? Like, I guess that awareness is step number one. And what? Yeah. So step number one is recognizing the times when you normally drink and just being curious about that. Like, maybe grabbing a piece of paper and writing down, like, what are my patterns with alcohol? And just answering that question, is it after work? Is it on the weekends? Is it, you know, a lot of people like don't drink during the week week, and then they binge on the weekends because they don't have any responsibility and they can sleep in, you know, just recognizing your patterns, getting aware of that is the first step. And then when you're in that pattern, like if you're in the after work pattern, let's say, and you're, you just want to start being aware, like bring it up to your consciousness Notice what's happening in your mind as you're driving home from work or you're transitioning there at the end of the day. Does your mind click in and start, ooh, a glass of wine would be nice. Like start noticing what's going on in your mind about it. Start noticing the chatter, right? And then we just want to ask yourself, like, what do we think a glass of wine right now or a drink would help me feel? Like, what do I think the benefit of that is right now? And you're brain is going to respond to you. It's going to tell you like, it's going to you relax, right? That's what my brain used to say. Like, oh, it's just going to calm you down and you aren't going to yell at your kids because you're going to feel a little more chill. Yeah. Yeah. And so just being aware of what those thoughts sound like is going to be super beneficial. And then if you want to interrupt that pattern, you could be like, okay, so it sounds like I really want to relax. You know, like what else could I do? What actually so good. helpful yes. for me right now? Maybe I need to go park my car around the block before I go home and go for a quick walk. <laughs> like, you know, move some of these feelings and energy out of my body. Or maybe I need to just go right upstairs when I get home and wash my face and take my clothes off and like give something to myself a little bit here before I turn around and start giving it to other people, right? So it can be just very small interruptions, but that awareness is really important to start. So good. And I think that's so huge because again, I think so many of the women just, you know, they're stressed out and then they come home and everybody is, you know, it's dinner time, which is always, you know, a fun time. I used to call it the witching hour and realize probably not helpful to call it that. But Mm -hmm. at any rate, I'm like, you have permission to, yeah, listen to some music or go for a walk before you come home and, or just tell your family, Hey, I just need five minutes. I can't wait to see you, but I'm just going to go take five minutes to transition. That can make a huge difference. Yeah. And if the desire is still there, then is that the next step? Like if someone has created a habit mm-hmm. and they really are having this, you what you call, I believe it's over desire, mm-hmm. then what? Then the, the next step, if you want to do this, I think to back it up a little bit, recognizing- Okay, yes, pattern, thank you. Yeah, recognizing your patterns is really important first step. And then I, I'm very, I'm a big component about being intentional. So if you want to keep drinking or if you just want to cut back, it's like, okay, let's decide ahead of time how much alcohol I'm going to have this week. So I call this making a drink plan, right? So you're writing out ahead of time, like maybe at the beginning of the week, you know, what you want to do with alcohol. So if it's zero, write down zero. If it's, 
I'm going to have one glass on a Thursday night and one glass on a Saturday, write that down. And so that you can give your brain sort of a map with intentionality about what you want this to look like. Okay. And there's no judgments on you get to decide what that looks like. Right. So once you kind of have that framework in place and like you've decided that you are going to cut back, I think that's important. Don't just say, I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to try to cut back. You kind of want to be decisive about it and like make a little goal for yourself around it. Right. And then make a plan. But if you find yourself then with that in place, and then you're, you're having a strong desire and there's a lot of chatter for it, you want to just acknowledge that you are having an urge. Like internally, I acknowledge that I really want a glass of wine right now. Right. And you just take a deep breath and you allow yourself to be with that desire instead of battling with yourself in your mind about it. I said I wasn't going to drink and this sucks and I should be able to have a glass of wine and and like the fight that we have. You want to be like, oh, here's I'm in an urge right now. I recognize I'm having desire for it. That's okay. It's normal. I, I should be having this because it's what I've normally done. And when I'm trying to make changes and changing habits, my brain is going to put up a little bit of fight. And it's okay. So you just want to relax into it, take a big, deep breath, get into your body, focus on what it feels like in your body to have that desire. Maybe you're noticing your mouth watering. Maybe you're like really tight in your chest or something. And you use your breath like a yoga breathing to breathe into that area and just allow yourself to be with it for a second. And you really want to stop thinking about it. So give your mind something to do like a project to do, to focus on. And that's to focus on your breath and sort of where you're feeling this desire in your body instead of thinking about it so much. Right. I love that. That's something that I work on with my clients a lot because we're very much in our heads. And a lot of times people have a very hard time feeling. Again, I think just as a society, we're hard. It's hard for us. But I describe, you know, just, I say, even if you just want to get objective describing how it feels, like I have this level of pressure in my chest, or Mm -hmm. I feel this, like, just be very descriptive about it. Because again, then you get out of your head and feel it in your body. Yes. And I love how you describe it so compassionately. I'm Mm -hmm. a big fan of self-compassion. I think that helps us so much in our lives. And the way you describe just allowing this urge is just like very loving and kind, which Mm -hmm. I think also helps us a lot achieve our goals versus, you know, beating ourselves up. You said you weren't going to drink today, right? That battle that you described. Yeah. So much easier and more loving. Now, is it easy, easy? Cause I've done this work a little bit Mm -hmm. and it's just like, it goes away, right? Like you have this strong desire and this urge and then you're like, no, sweetie, not today. Like, of course you want it. It's going to go away. And it does. And I always say, just like a shot of epinephrine, like my clients understand that that dissipates Yes, action in your body. So too does this desire. It goes away. Yeah. So the more you repeat that and you don't reward yourself, right? So as long as you're actually allowing your desire to be present, like we're talking about very gentle, you're getting into your body, you're breathing, you're acknowledging it, right? As long as you're not ignoring it. A lot of people are like, I just need to stay busy you know, right. They push it aside myself from it. And it's like, that's not really addressing the desire that you have. You don't ever want to ignore how you feel (laughs) when we ignore how we feel. Well, that's the crux of most of my, uh, my people's (laughs) problems. Right. So if we ignore, this is just another feeling desire, right. The urge, that's just another feeling like anger. So we don't want to ignore that. We want to acknowledge that it's happening. Otherwise, it's going to pop up. I use the beach ball analogy, right? So if you ignore it, try to push it down, distract yourself, it's still there and it hasn't been addressed. So we want to like, let it, let's look at it, breathe through it. And yes, if you repeat that in your patterns, 
your desire is going to go down because your brain isn't going to want to keep delivering you all of that energy to go do something that it's not going to get a reward on. It's quite lazy, her brain. Which is really good news because ladies, it may not seem possible. If you desire a glass of wine every day, you think, well, how could I ever get rid of that? It is possible. It happens. Yeah. I'm proof of that. I have no desire for alcohol at all, like ever. It's so freeing. I don't worry about that stuff. I don't ever get like, am I going to go in a social situation or if I have something really bad happens, am I going to want it? I never worry about that because it just doesn't exist for me. And I think you use the analogy too. Like, do you have a desire for a cigarette? I'm like, "Uh, absolutely not because I think that's disgusting. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because See, I've I've never been a smoker, right? So right. again, but it's like you can train your brain over time, just like, yeah, I don't need or want alcohol. And to mm-hmm. not have the desire is so freeing. Yes. But I do want to mention too, going back to like taking care of yourself and like filling your bucket in during the day, the people that do that and, and listen and take that advice and, and do it have less urges. Yeah, because I bet. You're not seeking relief because you've yeah. already taken care of yourself, yes. right? So like, that's, that's when I think about living like an alive AF life, right? Like I'm here, I'm here for everything. I'm filling my bucket every day. I think about not needing those escapes. It doesn't really, it's not really a solution for me because I'm, I'm tending to myself, right? I love that. I'm processing my feelings, all of them when they come up, right? I'm exercising, drinking water, getting good sleep, all the basics, right? That we need. We're, we're living, breathing animals, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that you're saying it because I say it all the time. I'm like, Hey, everybody, we're humans. We need to meet our basic needs. So many of my people just like ignore and, that. And I think we ignore that because there's not an immediate, we don't see an immediate payoff. Like our culture has, like if we work really hard, there's a payoff, right? If we do all these things for other people, there might be a payoff, but we're not seeing that immediate payoff when we're like, Oh, I just need to take care of myself. Self-care you know, we're not seeing the immediate payoff, but I will tell you the immediate payoff is that you will drink less and you'll feel better and you'll seek to have like all this extra shit in your life, not even just alcohol, but like the food you might be snacking on at night or the money you might be spending on all this other shit that you don't need to make yourself feel better. Like it applies to everything. So So good. And I, and again, that could be a whole nother conversation for another day because Yeah. There are just so many benefits when you start to realize like when you take care of you and you feel less stressed, you don't need to avoid those emotions, right? I talk about like buffering, avoiding like you do as well with eating and drinking and spending money. Life can be so much better. Yeah. And I just, you've got a beautiful program and maybe this would be a beautiful segue. Although if there's anything else that you want to make sure that you mention, um, the Maybe other thing I just want to touch on is when, if you do have a mistake, like the, if you have a goal to cut back on your drinking, whatever that looks like, don't expect it to be perfect. <laughs> this is about progress, not perfection. And if you do have a slip up or another over drink or something like that, you just have to be super loving to yourself again and get curious about what happened. You know, give yourself that time to kind of figure out and learn from it versus like beating yourself up and then being like, screw it, I'll just start again on Monday or next month or whatever. Don't do that to yourself. Like you deserve the time to invest into yourself to figure that out with love. Like you'd be helping a friend figure that out or a child figure that out. Most people don't know how to do that because we're pro, our brain is programmed to be hard on ourselves, right? So it actually takes work for us to not do that and to be loving and accepting of ourselves and realize that we're not perfect. 
And it's not going to be a perfect journey, but to focus on the progress and what is working and what you can do differently next time is super, super important. Yes, I agree 100%. And I so love that you are repeating things. It's kind of like when I say things to my children and they are like, yeah, yeah, whatever, mom. And then the teacher (laughs) says that they're like, oh my gosh, I learned this amazing thing. So like my listeners here again and again, progress, not perfection, be self-compassion. It just warms my heart that there's another, you know, amazing woman out there saying the same thing, people. This is so important to take care of you and learn to be kind to yourself because, you know, I believe we have this one precious life on earth and it is amazing. I mean, there are these glimmers of amazingness in just the smallest moments. And when you can recognize and see that, it just, it just makes our life so much richer, right? In a more natural way. Yes. So I am so grateful that we've been able to have this conversation. And I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing to help women achieve their goals with drinking less. Can you talk a little bit more about the opportunities to work with you? Because I think that a lot of my listeners may say like, wow, this is really something that resonates with me. And I want to, I want to check this out. Yeah. Well, thank you. So the easiest way to work with me right now is by joining my, I have a monthly membership. It's called Alive AF and it's a monthly stop over drinking coaching membership. And it's a pretty low cost opportunity to join. We've got workshops and coaching calls, and there's a course inside of there that will Wherever you are with your relationship with alcohol, it'll help you get to where you want to go. Super easy to digest, not a big time commitment. That's open now. And I'm sure we'll link up things. Yes, I will put a link in the show notes. And it is amazing. It sounds amazing. The things that you get Mm -hmm. sound really, really helpful and phenomenal. So I'll definitely put a link in the show notes. There's a community aspect to it too, which is super lovely and supportive. And then I also have a subscription box, which I think is super, super fun. So it's like a self-care kit for people that want to drink less. And it's all of the books that I've read that have helped like self-help books. Um, There's journals in there with prompts that ask you questions that kind of help you extract what's going on at a deeper level. There's bougie non-alcoholic drinks inside. There's fun things like this. I'm doing the fall one right now. There's like a warm scarf and like a cozy teacup that I had custom designed. So it's like a a self-care kit. So like you can be reminded to take care of yourself instead of doing the things that aren't really good for you. I love it. And so that's available to the Alive AF subscription box. And then that I sounds also- lovely. Yeah, How, who who doesn't love getting a little gift in the know, in the mail? It's like people. you're doing that for yourself. It's like yes. a gift to me. And we don't oh my do gosh. enough, right? It's so I love the box so much. People love that thing. Yeah, hundred percent um, sign up for that. <laughs> yes. And, um, and it ships quarterly. So it's not like a monthly thing. So, and then I also lead retreats. So they vary from, you know, rustic mountain nature retreats to, you know, I've done one where we come together and run half marathons together and do like yes! a immersion. Um, I'm promoting one right now. That's a Cancun retreat, but it's a four month coaching container. And then we'll come together at the end and meet in, in Cancun. It's a sober amazing all-inclusive location that I actually have been to in January. And I'm just super excited to go back and take people there to help them real time, manage some urges and, you know, talk about it without judgment. So anyway, I will, I'm sure we'll link all of that up right now, but absolutely. Yeah. That sounds amazing. That retreat sounds amazing. I was hearing about that last week and I was like, wow, how phenomenal. And also just that support and that container ahead of time. You know, if if any listeners are like, you know what, I would love to do that. It's hard to imagine going to Cancun Mm -hmm. for a week without drinking. Here's what (laughs) I'll tell you is that you get to work with Angela for several months ahead of time Mm -hmm. and learn ways to like 
have a plan, control your urges, all the things. So you'll be so set up and ready to go. Yeah. I would say a majority of my listeners would benefit from a lot of these different things. So definitely check out the links in the show notes and take care of you ladies. Again, this is just an opportunity to realize and remember that like you are important and you give so much and it's okay that you feel stressed and have been turning to alcohol, but there can be a simpler way that can actually allow you to feel better. Like these solutions that Angela talks about help you way more than a glass of wine. I would Mm -hmm. have to say. Absolutely. Love it. It's more about, I like to tell my clients, it's like, let's not focus on what we're taking away. Let's focus on what we're giving to ourselves. Yes. Focus on feeling good and giving back to yourself. The not drinking so much is going to be just on the sidelines. It's not going to be your focus, right? So good. And I love the name of your program, the Alive AF. I mean, who doesn't want to live a life that just is delightful. And of course, we all know that there are hard things in life, but when you can deal with the things in life, just so much more calmly and easily, I just think that that's, we all want that, I think. So I'm so grateful for this time together. Thank you so much for being with me, for taking time. And I'm excited to continue to follow you and see all the amazing things you do. And I hope a lot of my listeners sign up and decide to work with you if it's beneficial for them. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Are you ready to take control of your life and put these tools into action? I'm here to help. I offer free consultations for physician moms to see if my one-on-one coaching package is right for you. You can sign up for a free consult at www.mamadoclifecoach.com.